What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. on Echo Smart Speed. Now back to Murph and Matt on KNBR 104.5 and 680. The sports leader. The pitchers and catchers are in Scottsdale, Arizona. The first game's a week from Saturday. We're getting ready for Giants baseball. Let's do it. Let's talk about it with George Contos, World Series champ, NBC Sports Bay Area analyst. We love talking to George. Hey, George, welcome back to the Murph and Mac show, man. Hey, happy spring training, man. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Happy spring training. I'm doing great. How about right. yourself? Good, good. Do you still have that that whole that instinct inside your gut? Like February, mid February, it feels like you got to be in Arizona. You know, to be honest, I, I didn't until last week. I was in Arizona for the uh, waste management and watched the Super Bowl. I actually, went over to Craw's house for his Super Bowl party and seeing all the guys with the excitement. It brought back some of those uh, some of that itch a little bit. I've been I've been pretty good at uh, kind of turning that itch off the last few years and. Uh, going to the golf course, wherever that might be, to get away from it. But this year, I definitely got it back a little bit. How's Crawl? How's Crawl looking? How's he doing? He's looking great. You know, he's going to be the starting shortstop for the San Francisco Giants again this year, where he belongs, I think. And um, he's, I think, poised for for a, a year that uh, many people might have written off that he could have. I think he's definitely worked hard, and he looks great. Um, what a lot of people don't realize about Crawl when you stand right next to him is he's, I think he's probably one of the, if not the biggest shortstop in the big leagues. I mean, he's every bit of 6'2", 230, built, built great, still moves well. So I think he's poised to have a good year this year. What an athlete. I mean, I know the story, obviously, is uh, the pitchers and catchers and, and the new rules, which we'll get to in just a second. But just one more on Craw. It was interesting, and it will be a story in the spring about when you know they were going to sign Correa, and they called him up and said, uh, we got a new shortstop. And then he had to sort of start studying third base, and then they called him up and said, "No, we don't have a new shortstop." Just what's your opinion? You know, as an ex big leaguer, being in that clubhouse, getting that call, how do you think Crawford took it? Do you think? I guess my question is, do you think there's a gigantic chip on his shoulder? You know, when you know Craw, as I know you've spoken to him a lot, he he's not a guy that has a tremendous chip on his shoulder. He's just a, he's a pro. He's a guy that comes in every day, uh, prepared, ready to play baseball, and he's been a San Francisco Giant for his whole career, um, and he would have done whatever was necessary for the team to have success. And, you know, he was called and told that, hey, we're signing this guy, you're going to have to move. And I'm sure that he did not like hearing that, being um, the guy that, that he is and having the career that he's had for the San Francisco Giants. But the teammate that he is, he would have been willing to move for the betterment of the team and learn a new position. Um, not that he would have wanted to do that, but that's what he would have done for the team. So I think the fact that he is going to be the shortstop on opening day this year is a little bit of a um, kind of you know breath of fresh air for him to finish his career in a Giants uniform um, or finish his contract, I should say, in a Giants uniform like that as a shortstop. I think that means a lot to him. Uh, but ultimately, the fact that he was willing to move to a new position for the team to get better and bring in a superstar like Correa for those few days we thought we were going to do that, uh, I think says a lot about him. He's the ultimate pro. He's one of the great Giants of all time, and uh, it'll be great to see him 
who knows what kind of year he's going to have, but he's like you said, a lot of people wouldn't have had him as the 2023 Giants starting shortstop, starting shortstop, and here he is, man. Yeah, George Contos, the voice you hear, of course, 2012 World Series champ, NBC Sports Bay Area analyst. We're getting ready, Giants pitchers and catchers working out today. Full squad starts on Monday. Hey, George, uh, one quote that came out yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, but Gabe Kapler was very, uh, I don't know, what should we say, uh, open about Joey Bart's future. Yeah. And he said... There's no guarantee that he's on the roster, much less Q- QB1. He didn't catcher. miss words, yeah. I mean, how do you interpret that? Um, you know, he's obviously said he wants to see Joey succeed, et cetera, et cetera. But he said, but he hasn't done anything to prove to us that he is our starting catcher locked down. Wow. How do you interpret that? Uh, I, I I think you just said it right there. You know what? J- Joey Bart is obviously a very talented guy. He has um, established that he can do great things and mesh well with the pitchers uh, behind the plate. Um, I think the bat has been a little bit of a hot and cold question mark. And, and you never want somebody, I mean, guaranteed contracts are obviously a little bit different, but when you're a guy with options and you're a guy who's coming up who has the flexibility to go up and down, you never want anybody to get comfortable just having the assumption like, hey, I'm just going to show up and this is my job. You want to light a fire. You want these guys to come in and, and make sure that they understand that there is something to lose. Like my spot on this roster is not guaranteed. I have to go out there every day and prove and show why I deserve to be on this roster and be the starting catcher. Uh, so I think it's great. Um, you know, the, the, this is the major leagues. These are the best guys in the entire world playing this sport and playing that position. So I think some some good competition in camp uh, would be great for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, Joey Bart's future remains wide open, and, and we don't know. We'll see what happens over the next six weeks and even into April. So we're talking to George Contos here, Giants pitchers and catchers working out today. Uh, and, and in terms of the guys who are getting a little different preseason hype, is a pitcher, Kyle Harrison. Yeah. Uh, Farhan Zaidi had very complimentary things to say. He said, an electric arsenal. Bring it on, man. And he said, we want him to start in AAA, though. We like you know him to refine some stuff. And he said, we like guys to take the necessary steps. But he said, I almost guarantee you he will be up at some point this season. What do you think, George? Um, a guy who's just been just blazing through the system – getting praised everywhere you go. It's a little different than Joey. They're giving him all the, the the sweet words of honey about how good he looks. If you're Kyle Harrison, how are you approaching this spring? Well, first of all, Kyle Harrison is represented by, by my same agents when I was playing. So I, I've known about Kyle for a long time. Obviously, everybody who's a Giants fan has. Um, he's kind of blazed his way, like he said, through the minor leagues, and he's handled it very well at every level. He's dominated. He's got that great stuff. I think the, the mental aspect that he has on top of the physical is going to allow him to have success whenever he does get to the big leagues. And I think it'll obviously be very soon. Um, but I'm sure he's gnawing at the bit. He's, he's gone through every level, gone through everything they've asked him to do, and he's done it with flying colors. He's dominated everywhere. And when you have stuff like that and composure and, and, and poise and the ability to mentally do it, at every level, the big league level is just kind of that next step. And once you get your comfortability and confidence at that level, the sky's the limit for a guy like that. I mean, I'm, I, everybody's really excited. And, and I think, George, do you feel like after missing out on Judge and Correa, and, God, you know, one day we'll let that go, I imagine, one of these days, <laughs> um, that I feel like the future for the Giants has to come from within. It's like, you know, I mean, yes, we all wanted Aaron Judge. We all wanted Carlos Correa. But it's got to be the farm system, kind of like in 2010 when it was Bumgarner and Posey and Lincecum and Kane and, and Pablo and you and all the Romo and everybody, right? Um, you know, is that the way you look at it? Like the Giants aren't going to truly achieve consistent, you know, 
championship contending status until that farm system delivers? You know, it's really interesting how kind of some of these rosters of teams that have been very successful were constructed. You know, you use you use our teams, for example, the, the two teams that I was a part of that, that you know, won two of the three rings in 12 and 14, is those, those teams were constructed mainly on, on guys that were brought up through the system. You know, Brandon Bell, Brandon Crawford, Kane, Timmy, Bum, Buster, uh, all those guys were, were – we're coming up from within, and then you added the small pieces. You know, I, I consider myself a small piece of that. But you brought in like Hunter Pence, you brought in Marco Scudero, you brought you, you brought in, uh, you know, Angel Pagan. Some of these guys who played just huge, huge roles. Uh, you traded for for uh, Jeremy Affelt. You brought in Javier Lopez. I think it's a good mix, and you have to really work with what you're given um, when you when you bring up guys to the farm system, like like a Carl uh, or Kyle Harrison, for example. He's a guy who can be a mainstay at the top of the rotation with Logan Webb for a long time, and that just takes one thing off the board of what you have to address in free agency. So I think those teams that have the ability to be very good for a long time have a really kind of unique mix of of what they're working with. And the the biggest thing that we had on all of those teams, and I wasn't around for 2010, obviously, but I think it's the most important, is chemistry. Because – when you are looking at our rosters from 2012, 2010, 2014, we were never the best team on paper. But we had guys in the clubhouse that were all pulling towards the same goal, and we were able to go out there and just outlast everybody else and win the games when they mattered. So the heart and soul of our team was our greatest strength, and that was from obviously the homegrown guys within and the, the pieces together that were either traded for or signed in free agency um, to complete our teams. But I think it's, it's a very fine – unique mix of, of what it takes to, to really form a championship team. And that's just being able to properly address what the strengths of the, of the team are at the um, uh, farm, farm level. Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. Yeah, I just feel like that nucleus you talk about, that, you know, I know there were extra pieces, but it has to be that homegrown nucleus that came up as giants, you know, and that's what I'm, I'm hoping becomes over the next few years apparent here in San Francisco. Last few minutes, George, I, I know you can't put a number on it, but it, the Giants go from 107 wins to 81, and I feel like, oh my, I'm just going to make it like sports talk right I feel like all the entire reason was that Buster Posey wasn't on the team. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I know you can't say that. It's obviously a team game, but you know what I mean, George? Like, how? I mean... You can't. It's such a weird question to ask, but like, how yeah. big was that absence, right? <laughs> I mean, the absence was obviously huge. You know, Buster came back from from not playing in in 2020 and had a career year. You know, he had one of those years that that I don't think many people expected him to show up after missing a season and have. Um, but you also had career years from Brandon Crawford. Obviously, he was in MVP talks. The yeah. pitching staff was unbelievable in 2021 you played great defense there was everything that went right all the moves went right the bullpen was fantastic um everybody did what they were supposed to do and you know what the franchise won and won a record 107 games and last year was obviously not much of the same you had some great starting pitching at times i think with rodon and logan webb did a great job and 
some of the other guys as well. The bullpen wasn't as effective. Defense struggled a little bit. The injury bug plagued the Giants. So there, there are definitely some reasons outside of the glaring uh, loss and, and lack of Buster Posey's presence. Um, but, I mean, I, giving it all to Buster, as, as great of a player and as, as much as he means, there, there were other factors that I kind of have to acknowledge at least for that. I would hope that the, the sight line for the Giants of 2023 is at least beating last year's win total. That, that's, that's a must. you got to eclipse the, the 81 and 81. Well, I mean, there's no doubt. The expanded playoffs make it a totally different world. I think eight, I think six games. I think 87 got you in. And so you're talking about like six games. You're like, that's doable. You know, so uh, that's the deal now. You More teams in, you don't have to win as many. So, hey, George, uh, we can't let you go without a thought on the bu- the new rules. I mean, everybody's got to take. I mean, there's so many. I don't know which one to go with. I guess I, I would ask you which to you is the biggest one. Where... What will you? What would you notice as a player, and what will you notice as an analyst the most? Oh, first, so as a player and as an analyst, because my mind never really switches off from the pitching mentality. Is is the the pitch clock? You know, the the, the base, the, the expanded bases, the bigger bases. They they look weird in like pizza boxes, but you're sh- you're shortening uh, home to first and third to home by three inches, and the baselines by four and a half. So those bang bang plays that you're going to see in replay, those are going to be effective. I mean, the shift, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to 100% cause more balls to be put in play. Guys aren't going to have to, you know, start adjusting the way they're hitting the ball. They can just hit the ball the way they always have, and more balls are going to find holes because guys won't be there as they were. But that pitch clock, for me, is really going to affect um, timing from the pitchers and pitch uh, how good and quality of pitches because there's not going to be as much upsetting of timing because of the 15 seconds uh, or 20 seconds with guys on base. The, the, the steals are going to 100% increase because you'd be able to time pitchers back. You know, sometimes when, you, when, you're not, when a, a hitter has not stepped in the box, you cannot get a sign from the catcher without the hitter being in the box. So you can have the ball in your glove. You can be on the rubber ready to go. And as soon as that hitter steps in the box and looks up, you can have seven, seven seconds have gone by. You have no time to adjust and, and give your head looks to first base. So I think pitch quality is going to be affected a little bit, which is going to cause more balls over the middle of the plate, which is going to cause more balls to be put in play and to be hit harder. That's obviously just my opinion, but I think that the pitcher sets the entire tone of the game. And in higher leverage situations, you want to control the flow of the game. And now that pitch clock is going to control the pitcher. How how long, what do you think, if you had to put a clock on you in your peak, 2012, 2014, how long for you? Could you do it in under 20? (laughs) I, I probably did. I got. I, I was always kind of ready to go. I'd get the ball back. I'd step right back on the rubber. I don't think it would have affected me as much. But when you have guys on base, you know, second and third base with one out, and you're really pitching for a strikeout, that pitch clock would have affected me because the more you wait, the more antsy the hitter in the box is getting. Yeah. And the more antsy they get, the mm. more that you can help upset their timing. Mm. And I think there's going to be less of that. So when I'm sitting there holding the ball, and then I'm throwing a slider down and away, they're going to be a lot more comfortable, even though they know it's coming. They knew it was coming when I was throwing it back then. But the, the more antsy they get, the more they want to swing. So I would get that added benefit of the hitter's emotions on top of mine. Hmm. So they, it's almost going to help the hitter get into a rhythm, is what you're saying, kind of. Well, it's going, to, it's going to help the hitter stay focused in the box a little bit longer, and it's going to affect the pitcher feeling the anxiety and knowing in the back of their mind that they have to throw the ball. And then you're like, I can't step off. You know, that's in your head either, right? <laughs> no. I've, already, I've already disengaged, yeah. right? I think, it, I think it totally affects the pitcher a lot more. A lot of people might disagree with me, but 
I remember that, that me being on the mound, I always controlled the flow of the game. And I think that now you're at the mercy of the pitch clock as, as, as the pitcher on the mound. George, they used to say there is no clock in baseball, and they can't say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, they cannot. Oh man! All right, we'll look forward to uh, your coverage. Are you going to be uh, when? When do you do you know your when you're when you start working? Uh, I, we haven't gotten our schedule yet, but I will be back, and I, I think there's there will be more games that I'll be in studio. So I look forward to getting out there and getting going as well. Yeah, we'll look forward to it, George. We'll chase you down this you, summer, George. man. Thanks Always. for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. You All too, right, George man. Contos, man. Pitchers filled with anxiety. Oh man. You know what's funny about those great teams he was part of, like those George Contos years to 10, 12, 14, is a pen was always so good. Like, there was just a surplus of arms, man. Yeah, the rotation was rock solid. And then all the guys, or at least nine, it seemed like 90% of the guys trotting out of the bullpen were always going to get it done. Bochi was considered the master of the pen. Well, give me a lefty. <laughs> yeah. Somebody wrote in and said, who wins more games this year, the rain, Bochi's Rangers or Caps Giants? How about the fact that he's trotting to Grom out there? Hey, Gromsy, go ahead. He's going to have to give him a good nickname now. He needs yeah. a good Bochi nickname. He needed to Grom. Hey, Grom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Mike Kruko and the Power Hour. Here we go. Oh, wait, 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 wait. What? Have we given away Bruce Springsteen tickets? Dude, we got Bruce tickets. We have uh, Aaron Rodgers isolation updates to get to. There's a lot going on today. We have Bruce Springsteen tickets today Bruce. on this show. Listen out for your chance when you hear Marcus play Bruce. That's your cue. Marcus has a rejoin. He's going to play sometime between now and 10. What is it, it, Caller 10 we're taking? Is that caller what's going 10? on? Yeah. You tell him the song? Like 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Ooh. I'm not telling him anything. Is that the song? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I was going to call in. Uh, all right. Stay tuned. We're giving away two tickets. Does he Bruce Springsteen these at the Chase Center? At yeah. Chase Center. Uh, come play my palace. Uh, Kruko yeah. and Top 6 and Cooler Content next on the Sports Leader. This is some kind of good. This is unbelievable. Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. And I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. <laughs> I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. <laughs> Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.